If we want to discover God's purpose, we must make a sincere commitment to Him. This is the fourth message in the series, Recover. This message is entitled, Commit. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. We're involved in a series of messages called Recover, and I want to continue us in that theme this weekend, a very important uh, series of messages we're involved in, in a brand new year, the year 2021. It's hard to imagine that we're now into 2021. And as I was praying several weeks ago uh, about 2021, having come through and thinking about all that's happened in 2020 uh, to all of us, I was thinking about what is the word that God has for us for 2021. And the word that really resonated inside of me and the word that I'm sharing with you in these first couple of months of this new year is the word recover. We're talking about how do you and I experience recovery in our lives. Now, the word recover is a very important word because it means to get back. It means to regain. It means to get back what has been lost from you or get back what has been forfeited by you, to get something back in your life that has gone away. And so recovery is a part of God's work that he wants to accomplish in your life. And every time that God brings recovery, as you see in Scripture, and as we're looking at in this series, every time God accomplishes a work of recovery in a person's life, He doesn't just bring your life back, He brings your life back to better. In fact, Jesus said it this way in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes, that's the devil, comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. So Jesus says, I've come to recover for you the experience of life, not just any life, but an abundant kind of life in me. That's real recovery, not just getting things back or coming back to a place of health or strength, but it really means to come back to better. And I want to speak a word to you in your life. I believe that as we go through this next year and in the years to come, that God wants to do something in you and God will do something in you as you cooperate with him that will bring your life back to better. There's some things that God wants to see recovered in your life. Now, in this series, we're talking about the different principles that will lead us to recovery, because it doesn't just happen automatically. For us to experience the recovery that Jesus wants to bring to each of our lives, it might be a relationship, it might be in a situation of your finances, it might be in your health, it could be in a variety of areas of life where you need recovery. But for us to experience recovery in our lives, there's some things that we must do. There's some steps that we must take. There are some keys, we might say, that we must insert into the door of life and utilize for recovery to happen. We talked about uh, that first key being the key of repentance. And so we learn how to turn away from things that are contrary to God's word and contrary to God's will, and we repent. That is, we do a 180. We come back to God. We make him the priority of our lives. If you missed that message, I would really encourage you to go back and uh, take a look at it, listen to it. It's online there for you, free of charge at church-redeemer.org, a great place to get some of those resources. And just look at what that concept of recovery really means, because recovery is, as I described a couple of weeks ago, it's the, it's the entrance ramp onto an experience of recovery. You will never get on the road to recovery without taking the entrance ramp called repentance. And then we talked about expectations. Last weekend, we talked about the importance of having an expectation that God wants to do this work in your life. It's called faith. 
Without faith, the Bible says, it's impossible to please God. And so for us to experience recovery, we need to begin to build up our faith. And many times that's very difficult for some of us because we've gone through so many different and difficult things in life. We, we don't want to be disappointed, and so we, we don't build our faith. We have no expectation for anything good to happen. I want to encourage you, have some expectation. God wants to do something good in your life. That good that he wants to do includes recovery. And so we repent, we turn back toward God where we've been away from God, we turn back to God, and then we actually expect God now based upon our repentance to do something in us. And I'm going to bring you today to the third key or the third principle of recovery, and that is the word commit or the concept of commitment. You'll never experience recovery without repentance, expectation of God, and then commitment. I'm going to talk about the various aspects of commitment today, but this is so vital. It's simple, but yet nevertheless tremendously vital to our recovery process. Let me share with you four things that you need to understand about commitment that leads to recovery. First of all, let's get really basic. Let's understand why commitment is important because we understand in Scripture that this whole idea of commitment starts with God Himself. He doesn't ask us to do something that He has not done Himself. God is committed to us. That's our first point. God is committed to us. Commitment is a very important and a very big part of the Bible. God operates through commitment. The first thing that we discover about God in, in the Bible is that God is committed to us. Before God ever asks us to make a commitment to Him, He shows us commitment uh, in terms of how He responds and, and deals with each one of us. Let me show you several ways. I'll give you three ways that we see. There are many other ways that I could share with you this weekend, but let me share with you three ways that God has demonstrated His commitment to us. First of all, He demonstrates commitment to us by giving us promises. This Bible that you and I have, these 66 books of the Bible, if you begin to study them and you really look at them in the, with the right frame of reference, the right theology of who God is, you'll know and notice that all through the pages of these 66 books, you're going to find a promise after a promise after a promise that God gives to us as His creation. God gives promises because of His goodness and love, but also because He wants us to know that He is committed to us. See, that's what a promise is. A promise is a commitment. If I make a promise to you, I'm committing to do something for you. I don't have to make promises to you, and therefore, I don't necessarily have to commit to do anything for you. But here is God. God says, I want you to know how committed I am to you. I'm going to actually give you a book that is full of promises, and every promise is a commitment on my part to fulfill in your life. Listen to Psalm 91, verse number 4. He God will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. Notice this statement. His faithful promises are your armor. God says, I want you to understand that I've given you promises, but they're faithful promises. The word faithful implies, speaks of commitment. He says, I'm standing behind them. When I say I'm going to do this in your life, it is my promise, my commitment that I will do it. The second way that God has demonstrates, demonstrated and demonstrates His commitment to us is by His Son, Jesus Christ. Think about this for a moment. John 3, 16. Listen to what it says. For God loved the world so much. Let's stop there just for a moment. 
God loved the world. That includes you and me. I've often heard, heard uh, it, it, it noted there that it's very appropriate for us to actually interject our name right there. Whatever your name is. God so loved, put your name there. That's you. God so loved the world's people so much that he gave, notice this, I say commitment. When you give something, you're making a commitment to someone. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting or eternal life. Here we see not only a promise but a promise that is actually found in the gift of Jesus Christ, God's Son, so that our sins could be forgiven, so that we could have eternal life and abundant life. And then we also see God's commitment to us through his involvement in our lives, that God gets involved in your life. Every person that's watching right now, if you think back over your life and if you're very honest about your experiences in life, you'll have to say that there was some point and some time that you knew that God was at work in your life. It may not seem like it in the moment, but you look back later and say, you know, that wasn't a coincidence. That was not something that just happened. That was God being involved in my life. And in fact, every provision that you have in your life right now comes from God. The Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from God. God is involved in your life. Whether you see him or not, he actually is involved with you, providing for you and working in your life. Matthew 6 25 through 39. This is why I tell you not to worry about each, about every day. That's Jesus' words here. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothes. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. Here it's describing the heavenly father's involvement in very practical ways in our lives. Understand this. God operates by and God up operates through commitments. God demonstrates his love for us by his commitment to us. He is a God of commitment. Number two, the second thing that we must understand about commitment that leads to recovery is that God created us for commitment. Not only is God a God of commitment, but he also created us so that we would learn something about and practice the same thing in our life called commitment. We work best. We live our lives best, our best lives when we live in the context of commitment. In fact, if you want to discover God's purpose for your life, you have to understand something about how God wired you when he created you. How did God wire humanity? Because uh, we, we have to understand how God made us so we understand how we function best. There's no better place to understand how God wired us and how God created us than going back to the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1 to this place called the Garden of Eden. That's the beginning story of humanity. That describes for us God's purpose for humanity, the beginning of time, the beginning of creation. Notice Genesis 2, 7 and 8. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man that he had made. Now now down to verse 15. 
The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the, tree, the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat this fruit, you are sure to die. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky and all the wild animals. But still there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up and closed up the closed up the opening then the lord god made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man at last the man exclaimed this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh she will be called woman because she was taken out of man this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one now you might say pastor why did you read all that passage why was that so important you're talking about commitment but i would submit to you today that if you will study the passage that I just read to you, you will find that it is filled up with, it is riven through with the concept of commitment. Everywhere you turn in this passage, you're going to find some aspect of a commitment that is being imparted to humanity. After completing the creation of the world, and now he creates man and brings man in. He now brings uh, an Eve to join Adam, and there's this first union that has tremendous potential. And in this potential, this potential is going to require something. This relationship is not going to work between this man and this woman, Adam and Eve, without something that you and I understand in every relationship that is required. That's called commitment. Adam and Eve had to be committed, committed to their relationship with each other. And then God put them in a garden. And he gave them a responsibility in the garden. He said, I want you to take care of this. Rule over the birds of the air and the fish in the sea. It's your job to, to plant in this garden and to care for this garden. That's called commitment. So there was a commitment implied in the relationship between Adam and Eve for their relationship to work. There was the need for commitment. For the garden to be the place that it needed to be, they had to fulfill their commitment. And then God gave them a particular assignment. Work went along with taking care of the garden. I think all of us would understand. Work involves a commitment. And then most importantly, he told them, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You can eat of all the other trees. But when you make the choice to withhold yourself from that tree and and obey my command, then you're making a commitment in your relationship with me. And so there was a relationship between Adam and Eve that required commitment. There was a relationship in the garden, a place where they had to be committed. There was a, a commitment to work that was required of them. And most importantly, they had to maintain a commitment in their relationship with God. And please notice this, Adam and Eve's future, listen closely, Adam and Eve's future would be determined by how they handled those four commitments. Those four areas of their life would determine their destiny. What they did with those commitments would determine where they ended up in the future. What do we learn from this? We learn at the very beginning of time, God created us to be people of commitment. And what you do with your commitments will determine the destiny of your life. If you do not handle commitment well, it's going to be revealed in certain aspects of a lost purpose and a lost destiny. Now, what happened with Adam and Eve? Well, we know the story. 
They eventually got to the place that they ate of the tree of the knowledge of evil. They disobeyed God. And so when they disobeyed God, they began to lose. They, they violated the principle of commitment, commitment to God. And it cost them very much in their life. And they ended up in this dimension called sin. Now, for you and me, here's the problem. We have this ongoing battle inside of us about commitment. There's a lot of people who have a really hard time with commitment. And so commitment, the struggle with commitment, works its way into our soul and our system, and it affects our relationships, and it affects our health because we're not functioning the way God designed for us to function. God created you and God created me for commitment. He wants us to learn how to walk in the commitments that are essential to our health and strength and vitality of living the abundant life that Jesus promised. Let's go to the third point today. First of all, God has demonstrated commitment to us. He says, I'm not going to ask you to do something I don't do. And then I created you when I put you in the, when I created mankind and I started with Adam and Eve in the garden, I showed them the value of commitment. I called them to commitment. And then here's the third thing, making the right commitments is your pathway to recovery. You might say, you know, pastor, I haven't, haven't done such a good job with commitments in the past. Well, here's the good news. You can start today. When you start making the right commitments, it, it begins to put you on the pathway to recovery. Now think about Adam and Eve. We, we don't even understand what they could have been had they maintained their commitments. They had this breakdown of commitment, and because of it, they missed God's highest and best. And we're never going to discover God's highest and best for our lives without being willing to commit to the things that God asks us to commit to. Let me give you three right commitments that you need to make in your life if you want to recover. And then in a few moments, I'll talk to us about how to go about doing that. But there are three right commitments that you need to make in your life if you're going to be healthy, if you're going to recover, if you're going to get back to better in your life. Number one, you need to make the right commitment because, I'll give you the reason why, because it positions you for God's healing in your life. Anytime that you and I make the right commitment, it is positioning us for God to work and do the work that he wants to do in our lives. Think about it this way. If you want to get well and you go to the doctor, the doctor more than likely is going to give you some kind of prescription for health. Okay. He says, I want you to take this regimen of medicine over the next so, and so many days, and I want you to get this much rest, and I want you to drink these fluids. He's going to give you a list of things that the doctor, he or she, wants you to do in your life. Now, your, will, your ability to get well is often, in fact, usually connected to your willingness to be committed to do the things that have been asked of you. That brings healing in your life. A lot of people, when they, when they try to recover their life, they don't understand the importance of being committed to those things that God asked them to be committed to. There's a story in 2 Kings chapter 5. I'm not going to take time to, to read it for you today. You can read it on your own. It's a story of a man by the name of Naaman. Naaman was a Syrian. He was a Syrian captain, captain very highly placed uh, per person in the Syrian uh, military. And he contracted this terrible disease called leprosy. And he, he knew that his life was over with until a, a young Israeli girl told him through his wife that there was a man of God in Israel that could help him find healing from Jehovah God, from Yahweh. 
And so ultimately he goes down to the house of a prophet by the name of Elisha. And Elisha sends through his servant a message to Naaman and says, I'm going to give you your prescription for healing. I want you to go to the Jordan River and dip yourself seven times. Now, after, after really fighting that decision to begin with, fighting that set of instructions to begin with, Naaman eventually goes to the Jordan River, and he does what the prophet tells him to do. He dips himself seven times in the water. Now, notice this. It wasn't the first time that healed him. It wasn't the second time. It wasn't the fifth time. It wasn't even the sixth time that healed him. It was only when he fulfilled the seventh time of dipping himself in the Jordan River, doing or being committed to doing exactly what God asked him to do, that healing came to his life. There's a lot of lessons in that for you and me, that if we are going to have the right commitments in our life, it's a commitment that will position us for the healing of God in our life. Then second of all, right commitments root us for stability and growth. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to be stable? Do you want to grow? In the midst of all the instability in our world today and the instability often that we feel in our own lives. Would you like to have a more stable life? Would you like to have a life that is growing, that is moving forward, that is moving upward and deeper deeper in your life? Are you, you desiring that? I will tell you today that the way that you experience rootedness that leads to stability and growth in your life is to make sure that you're committed. See, commitment makes you grow. Think about your relationships in life. Oftentimes when you're in a relationship, the natural tendency is for us to, uh, when things get hard or things get difficult, we want to run away from them. But in reality, it's staying tight with that commitment that allows us to adjust and make the changes that are necessary in our life. Psalm 92 verse 13 says, planted in the house of God, we will flourish in the courts of our God. Planning brings flourishing in your life. And so the question is, are you willing to be planted? Then it creates for us a foundation for healthy living. People of character are people who understand and demonstrate commitment as a key part of their, their nature. They have learned to live based on commitment, not on emotion. Most people today live on emotion. I'm going to do what I do based upon what I feel. But the better way to live is not on what you feel, but on what you are committed to. Think about the disciples. When Jesus called his disciples to himself, there were four men by the seashore of Galilee, and he comes walking along one day, and there's, there's Peter and Andrew and James and John, and Jesus says, come and follow me. That is, make a commitment to follow me, and I'm going to create for you a foundation of healthy living. I'm going to make you fishers of men. I'm going to bring you into something you could have never experienced in your life. And so salvation and restoration and recovery are always linked to commitment. It's where you find healing. It's where you find stability and growth. It's also where you create a foundation for healthy living. The fourth thing and the final thing I want to share with you this weekend, we're talking about recovery. Recovery requires commitment. This is very similar to what I just talked about, but I'm going to expand upon it a bit more and talk about six things that you need to be committed to for recovery to happen in your life. We talked about the benefits of recovery, the healing, the stability, the growth, the healthy living. But now I'm going to talk to you about what you need to do, and what you need to be committed to if you want to recover. Let me share a few things with you before I get to those several things in just a moment. First of all, what is a commitment? A commitment is a decision that you make. It's not a feeling that you feel. It's a decision, a choice that you make to do something. 
It is an investment that you choose. You, com- you commit to something by investing in it. How do you know what you're committed to? By the decisions you make, by the investments you make. You also know what you're committed to by things you eliminate from your life. You know that if you're, if you're going to be committed to one thing, you can't be committed to something else. And so you have to push some things out of your life to have room for other things in your life. So your commitments are revealed by your decisions, by your investments, by what you're putting time, energy, and resource into, and by what you refuse to put time, energy, and resources into. And your commitments are revealed by your loyalties, what you're loyal to. And your commitments are best demonstrated. You're going to know most accurately what your commitments are, not by what you say your commitments are, but by what your actions reveal. It's easy to say you're committed to this or that or something else, but then in practicality, in the way you live your life, there's no evidence of that. You can easily say it without doing it. But your actions will not lie. Your actions reveal what you're really, truly committed to. And here's some sad facts that I've observed over the years with people. Most people don't know the difference. Most people, really, they don't really know the difference between a good and a bad commitment. They've never thought about it very much. Some have, but, but very few have really sat down and thought about what's a wise commitment, wise decisions, wise investments, wise eliminations, wise loyalties in my life versus those that are foolish. Most people seldom if ever, evaluate their commitments. They never sit back and really consider if they have the right ones or the wrong ones in their lives. Can I ask you, have you ever stopped for a moment and just sort of looked at all the commitments you have going on in your life and to ask yourself, do I have the wise ones or am I living my life foolishly or do I even, have I even taken time to think about it? Many people have high commitments to things that are of low value. Let me say that again. Lots of us have a high level of commitment to things that have a very low value in terms of their eternal worth or their long-term benefit for our lives. There are many, many people who are heading for some major disappointments and major regrets because they're investing their lives in commitments that are temporal or or commitments that are insignificant. So we have to stop for a moment and say, what are the important, wise commitments that I need to make? What do I need to put my time and energy into that I'm never going to regret? What am I going to put my time and energy into that I know will bring recovery in my life, that will bring health to my life, that will bring uh, stability to my life and growth to my life and a healthy living pattern to my life? What do I need to be focusing on so that these things will become reality for me? And let me share with you six things as we're wrapping up today very quickly, six things that need to be on your commitment list. If you want a recovered life, getting back to better, you cannot avoid dealing with and committing to these six things. Are you ready? Number one, you and I need to be committed to the principles and instructions of the Bible. The world should not set the pattern for how you live, nor how I am to live. The world does not dictate to us what is, what is right or wrong or how we should be investing our life. We need to get to a higher source. 
The higher source is the Bible. The Bible is the book that God has given to us that we can count on. I don't have time this weekend to talk about all the the confidence we can have in God's Word and the reason why we can believe this book to be the inspired Word of God. But God has given us this precious gift called the Bible. So as we learn from it by our own reading and studying and by things like we're doing today, the study of God's Word together, we can begin to grasp the principles of Scripture and the instruction of the Bible, and so we learn to commit ourselves to doing them, not doing them because we always feel like doing them, or not doing them because it's always convenient to do them, but doing them because we know that's the right commitment that is going to bring health to me, it is the right commitment that's going to bring stability to my life, and growth to my life, and is going to allow me to have the healthiest way of living. I'm committed to the principles and instructions of the Bible, not the world around me, not what I feel or what I want to do or what people may be describing that should be done in my life. I'm going to Scripture to see what does the Bible say. It is my foundation. As I mentioned earlier, it becomes the rock of our life. And then the second thing, this is so valuable, the second thing that you need to be committed to is the place that God has placed you. The place where you have been put by God because God uses circumstances. God uses a place that you're in to actually form and shape you. And if you're running from this place to the next place to another place and you're trying to find what I would call these destination solutions for your life, if I was only there, I would be happy. If I was only over here, things would be better. And so there's a lot of people that are running around in life and they never get settled in a place. Get settled in a place where God wants to place you and let that form your life. Be committed to the principles of God's Word, the instructions of God, God's Word, and they be planted in the place where God wants you you to be. And then make sure you're committed to the people that God puts in your life. Now, some people, uh, just, just very plainly, some people are placed in your life by the adversary. There's a devil that wants to put the wrong people around you. You've got to be wise enough and discerning enough to know who are the right people in my life and who are not the right people in my life and who is God placed in my life and who is the adversary placed in my life. And so you have to discern those things. But once you know the people that God wants to help to use to help you in your journey, get around those people, stay with those people, be committed to the people God places in your life. Number four, there needs to be a willingness, be committed to the willingness to address your own personal issues. This is important. I'm going to come more to this in in another message to come in this series, but I want to bring us back to it. I touched a little bit about it, I believe, last weekend or the weekend before. But the willingness to address our own personal issues, commitment. Here's the commitment. The commitment is, I know that I have issues in my life that need to be worked on. Our tendency is to say, I know you have issues in your life that you need to work on. That's our our tendency, our focus is, I know what you need to fix in your life. But God says, no, 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 you gotta gotta change that commitment. You're not called to be committed to change somebody else. You're called to be committed to let God work in and change you to help you address your issues. You have to be committed to that process. Why? Because it's painful. 
It is not easy to let God talk to you about stuff in your life that needs to be addressed. And so you've got to slow down enough to say, God, speak to me. Open up my eyes, God, and let me see what I need to see so that I can grasp and understand those things that you want addressed in my life. And it is not always an easy process. Sometimes, as I said, it can be a very painful process, but it's a commitment that pays tremendous dividends in your life. It is one of the best commitments you'll ever make to say, God, search me and show me those things that I need to understand about me so that I can, in relationship with you, work on these issues in my life. It requires a commitment. Number five, you need to be committed to the persistence so you'll show the discipline that's necessary for recovery. See, there's certain things that are going to be disciplines in your life that are going to be required if you're going to get better. I'll use a classic illustration. It can be used for a variety of different things, but if you're on a weight loss plan, you can't, you can't just sort of put the weight loss manual under your pillow at night and sleep on it and plan to lose weight. It's not going to work. In the same way, you can't take your Bible and slip it under your pillow and expect to become Christ-like. No, there's discipline involved. You have to begin to discipline yourself to regularly read God's Word and regularly pray and regularly gather with the saints of God. Although we're doing it online, you're still gathering together. You're being taught the Word of God. There are disciplines that you have to follow through with, which requires persistence. You have to be committed to persisting. Why? Because these kind of changes that lead to recovery don't generally happen overnight. Now, God indeed is the God of miracles. God can boom in a moment, change anyone. He free you, deliver you in a split second. He can do that. But generally how God works in our life is through our persistently doing those things that he's required or asked us to do and being committed to a process and persisting with it, just hanging in there and continuing to do the right things in life that we know will lead us to where we need to be that will please and honor God and allow his work to be completed in us. And then the sixth thing, you and I need to be committed to, the, to, to tenacity. What I mean by that is the tenacity so you're holding on to the promises of God. See, for me to get from here to here in my journey of recovery, if I'm going to move forward, I've got to be committed to the principles and instructions of God's Word. I've got to be committed to the place that God has put me so that God can work on me in that place. I've got to be committed to the people that God has put in my life to help me in that journey. I've got to be willing, committed to a willingness to address those issues in my life, turning my attention away from others and turning toward me. I've got to be persistent in doing the things that God wants me to do. And then I have to tenaciously hold on to the promise of God that says, I am going to get there. I may not be there yet. I may not be where I want to be in my life, but God is moving me along the journey and I'm laying claim to the promise he has for me. See, I will tell you today that commitment is so vital. A lot of people don't want to do the work for recovery, but recovery requires some work. God's committed to us. He said, I'm not going to ask you to do something that I haven't done. I've, I've revealed what commitment is all about and the way that I deal with you. God created us, even in the Garden of Eden from the very beginning. He created us so we work best when we're committed. He's helped us to understand that making the right commitment is what puts us on that pathway to health and stability and growth and all these wonderful things that he wants to do in our life. But he says, now I'm asking you, would you buy into and commit to my 
word and my principles and my truth, would you commit to the place where I put you so I can work on you? Would you commit yourself to the people that I put in your life that will help you in that journey? Would you commit yourself to be willing to address the personal issues that you need to address that between me and you, would you let me work in your life? Would you be willing to let me have access to those areas of your life that perhaps you haven't allowed me to have access to before God says? Will you be persistent in the discipline? Will you tenaciously hold on to the promise? If you'll do that, Recovery is possible in your life because you're making the commitments that lead to recovery. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity that we've had this weekend to study your word. We're so very grateful for the fact that you have committed yourself to us. Lord, us lowly, sinful beings, Lord, but nevertheless, you loved us so much. You committed yourself to us by sending your only begotten son into our world. You've given us your promises, so many ways that you've shown us, Lord, that you're committed to us. And Lord, you created us so that we, we work best when we, we function in commitments. Lord, it's what brings about healing. It's what brings about growth and what brings about strength to our lives and stability. Lord, that's how you made us. And so now, Lord, I pray that as we move forward from this weekend toward this back to better, I pray that you'll help us to make the commitments that we need to make through the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that you'll show us the commitments that are foolish or the commitments that are not producing what they need to produce in our lives. Let us readjust ourselves to your priorities. For that we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus. I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time.